All of the sons of God as well as the sons of Adam will face similar and many times identical situations in life. The outcomes, however, could never be more than 180 degrees out from one another, and one's position dictates all. Life's clouds of circumstances form for all. The sons and daughters of Adam, the earth dwellers, see dark foreboding and stormy clouds above, clouds filled with anxiety and fear. The sons and daughters of God have a very real and different perspective. Ephesians 2, 5, and 6, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you get in an airplane and take off with dark storm clouds overhead, it can be intimidating. However, rising above the clouds where the born again are seated in heavenly places, the clouds are big, white, fluffy cotton balls. A favorite verse amongst the saints is Romans 8.28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. It's a matter of positioning. To those of us who believe upon His name and obey, Jesus Christ is known as the rock of our salvation. Jesus speaks of the rock in Matthew twenty-one forty-two through 24. Jesus saith unto them, Did ye never read in the Scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. He is the same rock, but there are different outcomes. Fall upon him in faith and surrender, and all your change will be broken. Approach this rock in disregard and disobedience, and it will fall upon you and grind you to powder. It's a matter of positioning. In the hand of the Lord is a double-edged sword, one side justification, one side judgment. We all choose. It's a matter of positioning. Death comes to the sons and daughters of God as it does to the sons and daughters of Adam. For the blood-bought death is coronation day, where this journey ends in the great and marvelous promise of eternal life. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-four. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal hath put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. But to those who are not saved, life ends badly, eternally badly, all the time. It's a matter of positioning. Have you yet to be born again? God puts before you today life and death, and today you will choose. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In order to escape the shackles of sin and the coming judgment of God, you must be born again, born a literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God. Today all your sin and its shame will be forgiven and washed away. Today all of Satan's bondages will be broken, the bigger the better. Follow me in a simple prompt, and for you, 
everything will begin anew. Today, your eternal position will change and instantly. Here comes the prompt. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. God said, Matthew twenty four fifteen, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, Whoso readeth, let him understand. God said, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Man said, These doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world, and certainly no judgment day. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, featured 1019, that will once again certify the full and perfect inerrancy of God's Holy Bible. All of these dynamic features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May your roots grow deep and strong in the faith that set you free. Matthew 25, verse 6, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. The exact moment Jesus Christ returns in the clouds to receive his bride unto himself is only known to the Father. But we are admonished to watch the signs. Mark 11, excuse me, Mark 13, verse 37, And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. The clock is ticking, and it appears that we're just minutes from midnight. Jesus speaks of the end and the disregard men will give to it in Matthew twenty-four, thirty-eight, and 39. 
In the days just before the global flood, Noah's preaching was disregarded. Only seven people gave heed to his preaching, his wife, their three sons, and their wives, for a total of eight, including Noah himself. Yet today, marine fossils are found on the world's mountain's peak. Jesus said, few be there that find it, Matthew 7, verse 14. You can be certain that those who escape will not number into the billions, and it is highly unlikely to even be hundreds of millions either. Hopefully, from those alive at Christ's returning, millions will rise up to meet the Lord in the clouds. A sobering verse is found in Hebrews 2.3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You have entered the God Said, Man Said, 21 Signs of Doomsday series. These are very critical features. Visit one a day, and in just short of two months, you will have reviewed them all. The urgency of the hour will become real, and your soul-winning skills sharpen. The lights are flashing red. Have we entered the final seven years of time as we know it? Is Armageddon knocking at the door? Keep in mind as you absorb, absorb the following information that some ifs must be applied, for this is the nature of the signs. Often, as 1 Corinthians 13:12 reads, we see through a glass darkly. The first if is the prophecy given by Jesus Christ regarding the budding of the fig tree. Excerpts from God Said, Man Said feature 21 signs of doomsday, part one, set the stage. Over 500 years before the arrival of Jesus Christ, God prophesied by Jeremiah in chapter 24 concerning two baskets of figs. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord, after that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away captive Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah, with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, figs, the good figs very good, and the evil very evil, that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. But I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land. And I will build them, and not pull them down. And I will plant them, and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people. And I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. And as the evil figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so evil, surely thus saith the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah the king of Judah, and his princes, and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land, and them that dwell in the land of Egypt, and I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse, in all places whither I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence among them, till they be consumed from off the land that I gave unto them and to their fathers." Jeremiah was the prophet who proclaimed God's judgment against the rebellious Israelites. 
He was there when the Babylonian troops laid siege to Jerusalem and destroyed the Israelite armies. For nearly two and a half millennia, with the exception of a handful of years, Israel ceased to exist as an autonomous nation. In 70 AD, they rebelled against their Roman masters and were totally decimated. Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed and their people scattered to the four corners of the earth where they remained until the 1900s. Just after the many horrors of World War II, the United Nations declared Israel to be an official state. To be precise, it was May 14, 1948. After thousands of years, Israel was restored to the world's modern geographical lexicon, again a place on the world's map, a new budding nation. Keep in mind the new budding nation and the good figs that God would return to their homeland, Israel, as you read what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 32-34. Now learn a parable of the fig tree, when his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass, till all these things be fulfilled. Jesus said, learn a parable of the fig tree. A parable, by definition, contains a hidden parallel message. Much of Christianity sees the parable of the fig tree as Christ's referral to the Jeremiah prophecy, even as the early church did. The fig tree is putting forth leaves, and the good figs are returning to Israel in droves to participate in the battle of all time, the battle of Armageddon. In the Lord's parable of the fig tree, he makes this telling statement in Matthew twenty-four thirty-four: Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. This generation shall not pass. If our assessment of the fig tree and the 1948 emergence of Israel as a nation is correct, then the generation that saw 1948 will not pass until all that Jesus declared in the cited passages is fulfilled. Using the Bible lifespan of 70 years as stated in Psalm 90, verse 10, simple addition of 72 year, uh, 70 years excuse me, to 1948 yields an outside date of 2018. But keep in mind that Jesus did not say all would be fulfilled when the generation of 70 years that saw the budding of the fig tree came to an end, but the generation would not pass until all was fulfilled. The fig tree is budded. I am that generation, and I am speaking to you now. My generation still lives on, but our time is running out. End of quote. The prophecy of the end days and the 70 weeks in the book of Daniel is referred to directly by Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. A few paragraphs from God Said, Man Said feature 70 weeks of Daniel and the mystery of the Messiah concerning the 70 weeks prophesied by Daniel follow. According to the prophecy of Daniel, chapter 9, 24 through 27, the amount of time between the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the arrival of the Messiah would be 69 weeks. Understanding the prophetic time scale is crucial in unraveling the mystery of the 70 weeks. The time scale is each day of the weeks for a year. That's found in Ezekiel 4, 5, and 6. 
The 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel is split up into sections. The arrival of the Messiah is predicted after seven weeks and three score and two weeks. That's seven plus 60 plus two equals 69 weeks. The first seven weeks were a period of 49 days or 49 years using the prophetic time scale. The first 49 years were apparently the time spent in rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple. The next section of the prophecy, going into verse 26, states that after and after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. The famed church historian James Usher dates the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the time the commandment went forth to restore Jerusalem at 454 B.C. Although Archbishop Usher's date of 454 B.C. was thought wrong for many years, Recent excavations have unearthed Egyptian hieroglyphic inscriptions showing that Artaxerxes was made viceroy with his father Xerxes in the 12th year of his reign, thus proving Usher's date of 454 B.C. to be correct. Let us reiterate. In verse 25 of Daniel 9, we find two events and two different groups of weeks. The first event is the command to restore Jerusalem, and from that point, the prophetic weeks given to perform the task are seven, or 49 years, as seven times seven. The second event is the coming in ministry of the Messiah, which is prophesied to take place 62 weeks later, 62 times seven, or 434 years. So let's apply the math. 454 B.C. is the command to restore Jerusalem, minus 49 years to rebuild, yielding a date of 405 B.C., minus 434 years, the 62 weeks until Messiah is cut off, yielding a date of 30 A.D. Note, one-year math discrepancy is due to adjusting for the Jewish calendar. When believers begin to study the prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament, they often begin to wonder how unbelieving Jews respond to all the amazing prophecies. Although many modern Jews deny that the 70 weeks prophecy pinpoints the arrival of the Messiah, the ancient Jews told a different story. The following is from Mark Eastman, M.D., in Chuck Missler's book, The Creator Beyond Time and Space. However, it is well established that the ancient Jews believed that this prophecy pinpointed the time of the Messiah's coming. In fact, many in the Qumran community, the writers of the Dead Sea Scrolls, believed that they were living in the very generation to which this prophecy pointed. Biblical Archaeology Review, November-December 1992, page 58, end of quote. Sixty-nine weeks are accounted for, but one week, the 70th and final week, is floating until this world's wickedness has come to a fool. At the end of this final 70th week, Daniel 9:24 will be fully fulfilled. And this is what it says. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make real a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Daniel chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. 
And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that make a desolate set up, there shall be a thousand, two hundred, and ninety days. Note, using the 360-day Jewish calendar, we have 3.58 years. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand, three hundred, five and thirty days. But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Matthew chapter 24, excuse me, verses 14 through 16 and 21 and 22. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, deals with the very end of days, including the great taking up of the church, the son of perdition, the defilement of the temple, and a strong spirit of delusion that will possess the sons and daughters of Adam, the passage reads. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. In order for the defilement of the temple to occur, we need a temple for the son of perdition to defile. In the 21 Signs of Doomsday series, much has been written concerning the third temple. Several paragraphs follow. One of the two key signs of the great taking up of the church as declared in Second Thessalonians, which precedes the end of the world as we know it by just a few years, is when the son of perdition, the son of eternal ruin, the son of hell, goes into the temple of the Jews and shows that he is God. At the present time, the Jewish temple does not exist. In its place is the Muslim Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqsa Mosques. Given the combustible combination or condition, excuse me, of Israel, a scenario could easily be imagined where the Muslim mosques 
that now occupy Jerusalem's Temple Mount could vanish in a moment from an errant or orchestrated explosion or even a natural disaster such as an earthquake. There is a group known as the Temple Mount Faithful Movement dedicated to this very real possibility. A handful of members in their organization was arrested and convicted in the 1980s for plotting to blow up the two mosques. It is said that the materials needed to rebuild the temple have been set aside awaiting the demolition of the Muslim mosques. The utensils, pots, pans, and so forth to be used in the daily ministry of the long-anticipated temple have been and are being produced. Not only are temple utensils at the ready, but the Jewish people have demanded the return of the articles pilfered from the second temple. In January of 2004, a letter was drafted by Gershon Salomon, chairman of the Temple Mount and Land of Israel Faithful Movement. The letter was sent to the late Pope John Paul II. Part of this letter follows. Sir, a call from the God and people of Israel. Immediately return the temple menorah, vessels, and treasures excuse me, to Jerusalem. As you well know, in 70 A.D., the Romans occupied the city of God, Jerusalem, and the land of Israel, and destroyed the holy temple of the God of Israel in Jerusalem. They took away with them to Rome the holy seven-branch menorah from the temple, and many other holy temple vessels and treasures used by the Jews in the worship in the temple. The evil emperor Titus, who destroyed the temple and burned it, built his triumphal arch in Rome on which is depicted the menorah and other vessels carried by Jewish captives. Since this terrible event in the history of Israel and mankind, we know very well that the menorah, the vessels, and the treasures that were taken to Rome have remained in the vaults of the Vatican. Travelers and visitors to the Vatican throughout history have reported seeing them. This is the time to return these articles to Israel. Today, Israel is the most exciting fulfillment of God's end-time prophecies and promises. The climax of this prophetic time will be soon will be the soon rebuilding of the temple, exactly as the prophets of Israel prophesied, end of quote. In 1996, Israel's minister of affairs, Shimon Sitri, met with Pope John Paul II. The Jerusalem Post reported that he had asked for Vatican cooperation in locating the gold menorah from the second temple that was brought to Rome by Titus in 70 A.D., end of quote. Israel's faithful. They want the menorah and the temple's holy vessels back. They are preparing to build the temple. The following was published by Aretz 7 and was reprinted in the March-April issue of IMG. It follows in full. After much hard work and research, the Tekelet, Azer Blue Robe of the High Priest, has been completed by the Temple Institute and is ready to be worn in a third temple. The Blue Coat, or Meal Tekelet, as it is called in the Torah, sports 72 golden bells alternating with 72 pomegranates attached around its hem, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet wool. It will soon join the already completed ephod, and chosen the breastplate, featuring the twelve precious stones associated with the twelve tribes of Israel. The commandment to make such a robe appears in Exodus 28:31 through 35. This is the first robe woven entirely out of tekelet in nearly 2,000 years, Rabbi Chaim Richman of the Temple Institute told Arutz 7. The Institute plans to embark on another major project, 
the production and supplying of the Torah-specified white garments of the ordinary priest for every male Jewish descendant of Aaron. Every Kohen from all over the world will be given the opportunity to register and order his own uniform so that they, uh, they and he can be ready to serve in the rebuilt Holy Temple, Richmond said, end of quote. The Jewish people are preparing to rebuild the third temple, a necessary element for the second coming of Jesus Christ, and soon after Armageddon, doomsday for the world as we know it, end of quote. The headline of the March 16, 2015 feature by Prophecy Newswatch reads, Major Prophetic Announcement, Holy Altar Constructed for Third Jewish Temple. Excerpts follow. End Times Prophecy Watchers are marveling over a news report out of Jerusalem this week that the Altar of the Lord has been reconstructed by the Temple Institute. The Institute, based in the old city of Jerusalem, announced it had has finished building an altar that is essentially ready for use in sacrificial services. The altar is the last major component needed for the long-obstructed sacrifices to resume in a future Jewish temple. Ultra-Orthodox Jews prayed daily for its reconstruction atop the holy hill known as Mount Moriah or the Temple Mount. Most people don't realize the temple had two altars the altar of burnt offering, and the altar of incense. The largest was the altar of burnt offering placed in the outer court of the priest. Designing and building it to exact biblical specifications required quite an undertaking. It was approximately 5 meters, 16 feet tall, and 16 meters, 52 and a half feet wide, with four horns and raised corners and a ramp. The altar is the central focus of the sacrificial services that were halted with the destruction of the Second Temple by the Romans in 70 A.D. The Temple Institute has prepared all the priestly garments and sacred vessels for the rebuilt temple, which can be viewed on its website. It even trains members of the priestly family to be ready to serve as soon as the temple is constructed. Jonathan Kahn, Arthur of the Harbinger and the Mystery of the Shemitah, also sees the announcement as significant. We know that end-time prophecy cannot be fulfilled without the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, Khan, a Messianic Jewish rabbi in New Jersey, told WND. The abomination desolation prophesied in Daniel and the Gospels must take place within the temple precincts. So, too, the Apostle Paul speaks of the man of sin or the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God. What many people don't realize is that along with the Holy of Holies, the altar of the temple is the most central and critical part of the temple. End of quotes. The beginning of the 70th week marks the beginning of a seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation, which will begin with a peace treaty, a covenant struck between Israel and the Gentile world. Again, Daniel 9.27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. In the middle of the week, three and a half years, Daniel chapter 12, the son of perdition will break the covenant with Israel and go into the Jewish temple offering himself up as God. He will take the newly reinstated daily sacrifice, he'll take it away, and place the abomination that marketh desolate in the holy place. 
during this seven-year tribulation period, and especially during the last half, God's judgments on this earth will be devastating. It all culminates at the Battle of Armageddon where the blood will be to the horse's bridles. Revelation 14, verse 20. The August 28, 2020 headline in the week reads, Israel-UAE deal, a big win for Trump. A paragraph follows. The Trump administration just brokered a historic peace deal in the Middle East, said Alex Ward in Vox.com. In return for Israel suspending its planned annexation of the West Bank, the United Arab Emirates will become only the third Arab nation to recognize the Jewish state and the first since Jordan in 1994. Trump called it a huge breakthrough after his son-in-law and senior advisor Jared Kushner spearheaded six weeks of negotiations. Both countries have now promised to work on establishing embassies and direct flights, most importantly, halting the West Bank annexation, annexation review, uh, revives excuse me, the possibility of a two-state solution between Israel and the Palestinians, which had been all but dead. It's a big win for Trump, said Daniel Tepetris in WashingtonExaminer.com. The president becomes the first since Bill Clinton to sign a Middle East peace deal and gets a big, bold achievement to tout during the campaign, end of quote. The lead sentence in the feature just cited reads, The Trump administration has just brokered a historic peace deal in the Middle East. This is the first peace deal between Israel and an Arab nation in over a quarter of a century. The UAE is on board and other Arab nations are anticipated. Another feature in the same August 28, 2020 issue of the week headlines with, Israel making new friends in the Arab world. A short paragraph follows. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu just secured his legacy, said Boaz Bismuth in Israel Hayom. Under a U.S. broker deal that was announced last week, the United Arab Emirates has agreed to normalize diplomatic relations with Israel in exchange for Israel suspending its planned annexation of the West Bank. It's a huge achievement for Netanyahu. Only two Arab states had previously recognized Israel, Egypt and Jordan, and most Arab countries in 2002 had vowed not to normalize relations with Israel until the Palestinians had secured statehood. Abu Dhabi's crown prince and de facto ruler, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed al-Nayyan, known as MBZ, deserves praise for abandoning that pointless pact. Our two nations, militaries, can now work together, which means Israel will have a front-line base of operations in the Persian Gulf to counter Iran. We'll also benefit from having robust trade ties with a country that has the seventh-largest oil reserve in the world. Is it just minutes from midnight? We have a budding fig tree and a generation whose days are running out. We have Daniel's 70 weeks with the final week floating that marks the final seven years of time as we know it. We have an altar, the equipment and garments to function now, and a temple that can be operational in six months. We have a, a historic peace accord between Israel and the UAE. We can't be certain that this particular peace accord is the one prophesied in Daniel chapter 9. Only time will tell. 
of the end and the final peace accord, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 3 reads, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, we have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. If we are at the end, we will see global pandemics, riots in the streets, wickedness to abound, full global confusion of face, economic disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, stars falling like figs, and the rest of the book of Revelation. When this judgment is done, the world will have arrived at Armageddon. A small fraction of the world's population will survive. As in the days of Noah, the ark is now boarding. Get on before it's too late. Click on the further with Jesus now. Prepare to meet your God. God said Daniel 9:24 through 27. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. God said, Matthew twenty four fifteen. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. God said, Second Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. Now we beseech you, brethren. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Man said, These doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end of this world and certainly no judgment day. Now you have the record.